What is going on, Craft Beer Hustlers family, and welcome to a special edition of the Craft Beer Hustlers episode 2.5. This is a mid-release for you guys. Typically, we release every other week, but we had to bring these guys on. And those guys are Scott, the head of craft alcohol practice, and Kevin, the founder of Kevin York Communications, an agency that focuses on craft alcohol, which is both beer, wine, cider, you name it, they do it. These guys are awesome and some of my good friends. Super excited for this conversation that you guys are about to hear. We talk anything from craft beer, beers that we're enjoying while in lockdown, as well as a little special event that they have coming up on May 30th. So I'm going to tease that now, but without further ado, let's get on to the episode. Welcome to the Craft Beer Hustlers podcast, guys. We want to thank you for tuning in to episode two and a half. Um, We are currently sitting down with Kevin and Scott of Kevin York Communications. How's it going, guys? Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So uh, what we do to start off every segment, if you guys haven't listened to the show or even if our listeners are for the first time, we're going to talk about the beers that we are drinking um, just to to make sure that everyone's cracking a cold one while they're while they're listening and enjoying the content with us. So, Johnny, what are you uh, what are you cracking on right now? So uh, right now I've got the limited edition lemon Hefeweizen from Great Lakes Brewing Company. Um, very much one of my favorite breweries, Cleveland, Ohio. Shout out. Um, a lot of banana, a lot of clove in this. Five point one ABV. So can have a couple it's a nice uh warm night out here so have a couple and relax very nice yeah scott it looks like you're uh you're going down on some uh a big stein right there what do you got there yeah it's not it's not a hazy in this stein i I, I go for the appropriate (laughs) line for um now i'm drinking bohemian shine from uh castle island that's a gold medal winner right that's uh (laughs) gabf Bohemian style Pilsner. It's it's great. It's four point nine. Uh, I just got the four pack from the brewery uh, last week. A little curbside. Yeah. Um, you know, it's obviously it's light as the Pilsner should be, but it's got a good good malt sweetness to it. Um, very very enjoyable beer. This is the last of the bunch that I have. So, <laughs> did you save that one for the two of us? I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> this is for you, Dan. <laughs> I appreciate that. If you didn't know too, Johnny also. This is how me and Johnny met. Uh, we've told the story before, uh, but we met through the beer garden down at Castle Island. So. Oh, right on. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Now Fit- it's the appropriate thing uh, to drink during something like this so yeah absolutely very fitting beer kevin what do you got over there so i've got uh bobasa from oxbow up in maine very it's nice aged smoked farmhouse sale Ooh, nice. complex beer um i'm just gonna read the label so i don't screw this up but end <laughs> of barrel aged smoked ales young smoked beer de guard is blended with one and two year old vintages aged in white wine barrels so it's pretty complex. Wow. I love smoked beers. So whenever I see one of those, I tend to pick it up. Um, but the the way that this one sort of, uh, they, they blended different beers here, comes off almost as a little bit tart. So it's kind of like a smoked tart beer, which is a little bit I really enjoy it. Um, decided to go with one of my bottles that I tend to save for special occasions. And then always realized got a ton of these bottles stashed away for special occasions and I never drink them. So <laughs> I mean, why not? You could consider this a special occasion hanging out with us on the, on the Thursday before Memorial day. Episode two and a half. Totally. 
There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're flattering you guys. <laughs> Especially well, for the host of the podcast. <laughs> well, we had, like, I, obviously we'll get into it, but we had to bring you guys in. Um, and typically we release on uh, every other week. So it's super fortunate that we can get you guys in in between those off weeks. But um so me being the last one i am drinking uh the human contact the three-way collab between widowmaker untold brewing and second wind um so they just released that i believe it was last week um uh oh man double ipa hazy ipa eight eight 8.1 percent um it does have a little bit of dankness to it it definitely has that juiciness to it um, and it's super refreshing. I think this is my second to last one, and I'm very upset that it's almost gone. But this is the only human contact I've been having during these quarantine days. So, <laughs> <laughs> have uh, have any of you guys been out to that brewery, Second Wind in Plymouth? I I love it. It's a tiny little place. It's in basically a little garage. Uh, in the summer, they have a nice little back, uh, like little back patio area. Um, but I will say, their hazy IPAs are really good i was really impressed by what i had over there so if you're out in plymouth definitely uh definitely check it out it's a great spot and i really enjoyed the beer too yeah the the south shore for me it's funny because i'm only 20 minutes from braintree or not even 15 minutes from braintree 20 minutes from weymouth i could go to vitamin c and in widowmaker very easily i i haven't been down there all that much yeah you playing uh, the pots and pans over there johnny I don't know what's. I think there's a ghost in here. Like a, a bottle just fell off a windowsill. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, this has everything. We got beer. We got ghosts. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm from Canton originally, and my family uh, they equate where I live with what I think of, I guess, Plymouth, which is a little bit more realistic. So Wakefield is only half an hour north of Boston, but yeah. they'll never make the drive up because it's the other side of 95, right? Um, whereas like Plymouth feels like a completely different land you know oh, yeah. basically the cape um but hopefully there'll be an opportunity to get down there soon yeah uh, and with the weather hopefully getting nicer again it's memorial day weekend coming up we're recording this on thursday um so it's the unofficial start of summer and it obviously is not really feeling too much like that which is kind of upsetting um but yeah um so Getting into it, um, we always obviously always ask these questions for anyone that we're bringing on for um, craft beer. Uh, you guys have the communications company. Uh, you dabble in a couple of other clients, which we'll get into. But uh, Kevin, what with you obviously being the founder of the company, kind of what was your start in craft beer and why did you start to engage that craft alcohol segment into into your business model? Uh, starting craft beer professionally or just personally? Personally, and if you want to get into professionally, we'd love to hear that as well. Sure. So personally, I got into it um, from kind of a funny story there. I didn't realize I was really getting into it in college. But when I was in college, I was in a fraternity and we had families like your big brother. And there's a group of people who you call your family. And every family in, in my fraternity had a drink. And our drink that you would have like two times a year was Robert the Bruce, a Scottish ale from Three Floyds Brewing in Indiana. Uh, you know, world-renowned brewery, 
we're a bunch of stupid college kids that are used to drinking at that time, Keystone Light, Natty Ice. And uh, we'd break this beer out and it was always kind of a joke for us. And then years later, I realized, holy shit, like we had this world-renowned brewery so close and none of us realized it. So that was that was the unintentional beginning. But when I, I really got interested was when I lived in San Francisco and um, there was a bottle shop two blocks from my apartment. So I'd be in there a couple times a week, just checking out what they got in that was new, seeing different styles that I've had no experience with. Um, at that point, there weren't very many craft breweries in San Francisco. You had Anchor, 21st Amendment, and I think there was one more. And that was really it. So that was really what, what kind of got me into it was that, um, that bottle shop. It was a, a couple streets down. And then uh, like two more blocks from there, a few years after that bottle shop opened, there was a, a um, craft beer bar that opened that would change their taps at least twice a week. And they would have seven or eight beers on tap, all craft beers. They had a pretty nice bottle selection. I spent a lot of time at that place. And when, when we left San Francisco, that's, that's one of the things that I miss the most is uh, being able to go to Chomp and Swig whenever I wanted. Mm. So that was kind of personally when I really got into craft beer. Then when I moved to Boston, um, I started the agency most of my background uh, was in tech. I had a little bit of consumer experience, but um, I started it just sort of doubling down on what my experience was in. So we had a lot of tech clients, but I wanted to broaden it beyond that because what I saw at other agencies that I was at that were larger ones, it was sometimes hard to recruit talent, especially talent out of school. If all you did was tech, like nobody wants to talk to their friends about the work that they do for storage and servers and security companies. So craft beer being an interest, I kind of pursued that with some of the breweries here that I visited often and uh, finally got my foot in the door with Idle Hands right after they were forced out of their location in Everett. Um, Chris, the owner, I had a conversation with him and I had been talking to him off and on for probably six months. And he said, I, I think now is when we need some marketing help because I don't know when we're going to have a home again uh, and we can guest brew at night shift for the time being. I just don't want people to forget about us while we don't have a physical location for people to come to. So Idle Hands was the first one. And then from there, um, it, it really took off and we just kept adding more since then. Nice. And and I think you, you really have capitalized on a, a really good segment in craft beer because with the uh, PR work that you guys do and the marketing work that you guys do, uh, there's always struggles in craft beer uh, and especially now when there's so many and you have to differentiate yourself from all of those different um, companies, being able to do that through your marketing and obviously uh, people like 450 North or Hudson Valley um, tripping animals starting to get bigger in Florida. It's because of their can art or the marketing that they're doing uh, in regards to that. So I think you, you guys are definitely in that good spot to help out these breweries and, and have them thrive. Yeah, a lot of them, when they start, they just don't, people pull double duty. So maybe you start as like the taproom manager and then you have marketing added to it. And some of them haven't really done that before. So there's an opportunity to offer them some of our experience there. And a lot of times it's just a time thing. They don't have mm -hmm. the time to do it. These are small staff and they're trying to do several different things. Like very few people at craft breweries, especially on the smaller side, have one title. It's usually... Yeah. 
four or five different things that they're doing. So if we can help them and, and focus on the marketing and the PR for them, then we're able to, to benefit them in that way. Yeah. Um, so Scott, director, uh, what's your actual title with uh, Kevin? Is, is it the director of craft alcohol? It's the, the head of craft alcohol practice. I, I had someone ask me I, once if I meant I was a lawyer. It's uh, <laughs> our PR term. <laughs> I'm just, I'm giving Kevin a nudge right now. Just being like, hey, there's maybe, maybe a new title right here. Um, <laughs> so with that, what was that, Kevin? He's brought that up. A couple I have brought that up. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the support. Dan, I'll send you a four-pack later. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, well, there's a four-pack on the line. I'm supporting you too, Scott. <laughs> I also want Scott to be the director. <laughs> you guys may split it. I'm not getting money, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm He's the head. You're just the head. You are not a director. I get it. Act, I get it. I'm act, sorry. For, for my company, I actually just did the uh, corporate bribery. So I think uh, that that whole course. So I think there might be some collusion right now. We should stray away from this, Johnny. Yeah, <laughs> um, so, right this. Let's roll past this. <laughs> uh, so Scott, what are, what's your origin story having having to head all of these uh, these different brands and these different companies? Um, where where did you start in craft beer and and what was like your first love and and how you came to be in it? Man, so I, I, my story is not as interesting as Kevin's, right? I think I think like all of us, we're here uh, for starters because we love beer. So that's that that shouldn't be unique to any of us. And I thought about this question beforehand. Um, and, and no matter what, it's a journey uh, filled with IPAs, and there's just no way around that. I'm going to embrace that journey, right? So I think for me, um, you know, in college when I wasn't drinking, um, let's say Miller or something along those lines. We had access to beers like uh, Labatt and Molson. I went to school in upstate New York, so those beers were readily accessible. And I, and I liked even those, right? I recognized at the time that even those were a little bit better than, uh, you know, than, than what I was drinking out of a keg, let's say, right? Um, when I got into my early 20s, someone introduced me to Dogfish Head 90. And I think that's probably like the first super IPA that I, that I really loved. I mean, I think it was the first strong, strong beer that I acquired a taste for. But um, like like anything, it evolved to something else after that. So I think you had like that was maybe the thing that flipped the switch for me. Then Sierra Nevada Celebration Nail was the first beer that I ever bought to the exclusion of anything else. It came out for a limited time and I put it in my fridge. Right. So that was part of the story. Um, from there, you had Hetty Topper and and admittedly Treehouse Green. Right. Because all of these were something a little bit different, like Hetty Topper. What this is a beer that people have to go to another state to acquire. Right treehouse you have to stand in line to get it so all these things just kind of slowly pulled the curtain back this whole scene that i knew very little about leading up to it um i think i coupled that with uh my background which is it's largely sales and marketing all of my career has been doing some kind of sales marketing what have you um, but i also went to school for fiction writing which is kind of like this weird sort of thing that fits into it somehow um and when I started to really commit to getting into beer, not just to drink it, um, but because Instagram was a thing and people were buzzing about it, I knew I wanted to do something with it. I wanted some output. Um, I attempted a website. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> I'm not a website. <laughs> um, it is a Wix site that might still be out there somewhere, but I tried that. I did a little blogging, you know. Um, but I think really what I wanted to do was was get closer to the industry in a way that was organic for me. And the very first way I did that was to start selling for a brewery. Um, so briefly, um, I sold for Merrimack Ales in Lowell. 
So I met Adam. He had just posted a job offering uh, on his Instagram handle like New Year's Day of a few years back. And I said, well, I'm starting to kind of get to know this scene a little bit. I like it. I'll just go meet him. Um, and it worked out really well for a while because, you know, it, it was sort of the scenario where Adam said, you know, I don't know what I need right now, but I'd love to have someone who just wants to help me build something. And so that was that was perfect for me. And I worked with him for a little bit. and It was really great. Um, Lowell is not right next door to where I live. Right. It's far enough where it was not convenient to always get there. Um, and as I got more into the scene, um, I was spending more and more time in idle hands. This is how Kevin and I met. OK, so uh, about two years ago, two and a half years ago, Kevin was already working with idle hands and he had uh, worked with them to start an ambassador program. Um, and I was one of the ambassadors for idle hands. So through that, Kevin and I got to know each other and decided we'd try to do some work together. Um, and that's where my focus has been ever since. And it's, it's a good marriage of both, you know, hobby and my, you know, I guess, industry interest. Uh, so it's been a good marriage. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're especially right going from from Wakefield area to Lowell. There's only one way into Lowell and it's not easy to get through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, that's awesome. That, and and it's perfect. And obviously through my Instagram, I met you, Scott. And then through you, I met Kevin. Um, and obviously through Johnny, it it brings us full circle and and how we all know each other and i i love to romanticize about it and it's always about it but it, craft beer is this community and it's just going to be continuing on and, and continuing those circles which is very cool yeah uh, i also do want to bring up too sorry johnny to interrupt um but scott you said that your first uh light switch was the dogfish had 90 yeah. Uh, so Johnny, I just want to play that ball in your court. Cause I think from episode one to episode a hundred, I'm going to bust Johnny's balls about him saying that I enjoyed a West coast IPA as my first craft beer and I'm a lunatic. Uh, yes. I, I mean, I think you'll hear it often, right? <laughs> Probably. The fact that someone's first beer was a West coast IPA, I'll accept that I'll hear that often. But the fact that someone's first beer was a West coast IPA and they enjoyed it, I will never accept ever. I think that's insanity. No one <laughs> likes that off the bat. That's crazy. It took time. That's not my first beer. It just that takes time. That, that's a, you know, it's an evolve. You. you can't. You can't. Yeah, the first time you drink a stone, if you haven't had beer, you're gonna put that down. I think. But I, I agree. Dan said his first his first beer was a West Coast IPA. I didn't say my first. Beer his first craft beer. <laughs> After you finished what a monster and one fifty one or something that, like that. That was my first drink ever. As, as... <laughs> as a person 45 uh followed by lagunitas so uh that was that was my origin story <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> here are the journeys all right sorry to interrupt you johnny no you're fine one thing i had and i'll start this can be for kevin and scott if you have anything please add but uh one thing you mentioned kevin was you often find you know obviously these, especially with the smaller breweries that people are wearing multiple hats um so obviously you do provide you know or can provide um a, a lot of positive uh you know influence a lot of positive um resources uh, but what do you find you know given that they are a smaller brewery just starting and they may not have the resources to bring someone like you on what do you find that some of the larger hurdles are and how do you um kind of bring that value and ensure that it's going to be a partnership that that's going to be beneficial to, to both sides question <clears throat> i i would say the, the hurdle 
this isn't really a hurdle, but I, I think when breweries get to the point that they definitely want to grow, that's when they usually look at bringing people like us on, or for that matter, any specialized function, whether it's accounting or something that they either don't want to do in-house, it's taking away from other things that's more their core focus, or it's something that where they realize we need somebody who has more expertise or experience with this specific function. That's, that's when they tend to look at us. Um, I would say what most of the breweries that we work with have, have desired most is PR work and influencer work. Um, we kind of run the gamut of, of providing everything under the umbrella of marketing, but those are the two that, that breweries tend to come back to, and that's, that's where they, they want our help. Um, I think part of the reason is for both of those, it's kind of an ongoing effort. Uh, with media or influencers, you can't just pitch a story or like make one connection on Instagram and hope that they're suddenly going to want to follow you all the time or they're always going to want to write about you. It's a consistent effort over time. So I think a lot of them realize we just don't have time to do this, whereas other things, running an email program, they can sort of fit that in. Or um, surprisingly, a lot of them do design work in-house where they either themselves or they have just enough of the skills to do it where they can they can figure it out on their own. Scott, do you have anything being kind of really just strictly on the brewery side? I mean, does that kind of fall in line? Oh yeah, no, he nailed it. It's it's no. you have to by and large. It's not that uh, you know a one year old company doesn't want it or need it, uh, but it it does. You get to a certain point in in, in any in any company's uh, I guess uh, age you know, three to five year where like, all right, if things have been going well, they're at that, that growth period. And it, yeah. And, and like Kevin said, it's not just, uh, outside marketing, me ancillary things, accounting, things like that, that just, you know, they're right at that cusp of, you know, they have resources, but not as much time, uh, you know, training internal expertise is a, is a big investment too. So I think in, in the craft beer world, we generally have found at least for Kevin and I, that three to five year range is, is it's not for all of them. But a lot of our clients have fallen into that bucket because they're in a good enough spot to do that. Um, whereas it's just harder for someone who's just starting off. They have the need, but, you know, not the resources. And uh, we, we try to be fair and flexible for everyone. So Awesome. So I think we've, we've kind of touched on uh, what the company is as a whole, what you guys are able to do for your clients and um, where kind mm -hmm. of your ideas came from uh, Kevin and, and the industries that you've been working in, but outside of craft, uh, your craft alcohol clients, what, who else are you working with? And is there any difference that obviously there is differences where you would focus on in a craft beer industry, but kind of what are you doing a little bit different for your other clients and, and who or what may, may they be doing? Sure. So we, we've actually worked with quite a few different types at, at the beginning. Like I mentioned earlier, there was a lot of tech. We sort of moved away from that. We have um, a couple tech clients left, but we've, we've moved quite a bit toward just consumer, which has actually been really helpful for both those consumer clients and the breweries to sort of find opportunities where at times they could partner together to do some interesting things or just things that we try with one. We realized if, if we did this a little bit differently, maybe this would work for a brewery too. Um, 
we've, we've worked with quite a few nonprofits. We have a pro bono program every year where we bring on one nonprofit as a pro bono client and we work with them throughout the year. Um, so don't charge them anything. We treat them as, as if they were a paying client. Um, and we found that that's a nice way to give back to the community. Um, at the bigger agencies that I was at before, they always had a pro bono client, but none of us ever knew who they were. Like, you know, you never see these clients in person. You rarely, if ever, actually work on their account. A lot of times it was just something you put onto an award application. So you get the recognition for doing it. And early on, I said, we're not, we're not going to be that way. Like we're actually going to work with these people and treat them as regular clients. Um, so one, one of our clients right now who is a paying client now actually came out of that program. Um, Boston Harbor Now, who does the programming and promotion of um, the events on the Boston Harbor Islands, a lot of them on the harbor and on the waterfront. Um, they do the fireworks every year. Uh, they do the ice, ice sculpture stroll on New Year's Eve. Um, but they were a pro bono client. And at the end of that term, they said, we want to keep you. Could, could we convert into a paid client if we could get some grants to cover the cost? Uh, and I was like, sure. That, that was never the intent of the, the program. It was never going to be a lead generation tool. Um, but for something like that to come out of it was, was pretty cool. And we're in our third year working with them now. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Just the, the different types of clients that we can work with. So there's, there's, never, um, there's never a day that's the same. And there's, there's never the opportunity to be bored with any of this because it's always so new. Mm -hmm. uh, we work with a, a paint store and a home decorating center. We have an insure tech um, client that does uh, document output solutions for the insurance industry. Um, in the past, we've worked with a couple of consumer packaged food companies. Um, we've worked with a kid's daycare center. Uh, it, it's really been a lot of different types of, of companies that we've worked with, which has been pretty gratifying, but we're sort of, Focusing on craft beer now, not not to, to not take anything else, but it's just kind of where the business has taken off. So we thought, well, let's let's kind of follow where the interest is here. Yeah, um, I think that's very cool too. And uh, obviously, with it being a, a small operation, um, you guys, to me, you feel as if it's more of like a, uh, or it has a startup culture, and in, in a sense, where you guys are able to. Um, be fluid with the clients. Like obviously what you're talking about, um, you're able to wear all different types of hats. So it enables, I would imagine that the business doesn't get boring. Um, you're able to work with so many different people and see different facets in different industries. So I think that's really cool. Totally. Yeah. And th there's just a lot of different projects that we can get pulled into, especially the longer you've been with a client, you sort of mm -hmm. proven yourself, throw out other ideas. They know if you throw those ideas out, there's a good chance you're going to be able to accomplish them. Yeah. So I guess uh, last week was uh, was Colm Kerwin from the Jeffrey, and they were talking about some of the philanthropic endeavors that they were doing, particularly in regards to to the pandemic right now. Um, but he had made this uh, the point that I really liked is you know in doing this, you know, they have a social responsibility even as a small business to kind of make sure they're propping up the community in times of need. Um, can you just talk a little bit about the mindset that you have? And, and again, this is off craft beer, but I, I really am intrigued by it. Um, you know, the mindset you have when taking on these pro bono clients and why you do it and, and how helpful it actually can be. Yeah, I, I would say it's really because we believe in the cause. So 
and I, I would say the cause of that specific organization, but just in a broader sense, giving back to the community. I think all of us who work at KYC have been really lucky to be in the position we're in in life and not everyone is in that position. So if we can do something to give back uh, in a way that helps the community at large, um, that just makes us feel good. Like we're doing our part to give back. Um, so the, the, the pro bono program every year we have people apply and then the staff votes on it. Um, so it's, we don't know how we, well, I know how everybody votes cause they give their votes to me, but no one else knows. I didn't want to set something up where I'm picking the client every year. I wanted to make sure it was something that everybody wanted to work on. Um, so in that sense, there's also interest from the whole team. It's not just one person or a small group of people picking who that organization is. But um, for us, th those have been some of our best clients. We get to know them. We consider them friends. They're big supporters of ours. Uh, and most of the pro bonos that we've worked with in the past, um, we still have relationships with those people and go to the events that they have and support their causes through volunteer work or uh philanthropic donations, but um, yeah, I, I would say it's an important part of the fabric of who the company has become. Yeah, I love it. And I, like I said, I know it's uh, kind of unrelated to craft beer, but anytime, you know, personally, anytime someone can, can take it upon themselves to um, embark on that philanthropic side of things when they're in a position to do so, I think it's important. So I just wanted to highlight that. Thanks. No, totally. And I, I would say the other part, we've, we've talked as a company about um, we, we obviously do volunteer work from time to time, and, and it's nice to, to give financially to some of these companies. But we realize we kind of have a skill set where a lot of these, especially small nonprofit organizations, maybe don't have people who have done marketing or PR in the past. And this is a way where we can really give back and sort of have a big impact in, in a way that, that maybe they wouldn't receive from someone otherwise. I think I think it's awesome too. Uh, again, moving away from craft beer a little bit and what you're talking about with your pro bono clients. Uh, I studied business administration. It, it just feels right that what you're doing and having people vote on the clients that they want to work with, and you have that skin in the game for everyone else to be to be enthused with the clients that they're working with or feel like they are a part of that because they were able to bring them on. I think that's a huge asset in, in management as well, just to be able to to make sure that you're getting the best quality work out of your your group and your and your staff because they do feel like they, they are doing a lot more. And especially with the pro bono clients, I'm sure, um, being able to support your communities and, and bring them up as well, just to echo what Johnny's saying. I think that's I think that's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, although not the reason that it's done, of course, I think that it, it resonates in the craft beer community too, right? Because oh, I mean, yeah. a lot of companies they they give. They give. It's it's this is um we're like minded. I think that 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 helps us, right? We want to give if we can. And I mean a lot of breweries that we know do the same thing. even now, mm -hmm. right, during the mm -hmm. pandemic, they're still trying to find ways to give uh what they can when they can so i think that um you know the, the alignment of mindset certainly is one of the reasons why we've we've uh i think managed to, to do pretty well working with craft breweries because we try to approach things from a similar uh, vantage point yeah and uh, done, uh, sorry i was gonna say we've actually done pro bono work for some craft beer focused nonprofits too though very um, true. 
Blackdale project um, last year for the Massachusetts Pink Boots Week. We helped with PR and influencer work for that. So it, it has sort of bled into the craft beer part of the business too. Which again is is awesome, and and both of those uh, are are fantastic. Being able to bring up um, to bring up female brewers or or females in within the craft beer uh, community within the craft beer companies, and and being able to showcase that because it I for me personally I do feel like it's obviously male dominated, and there's some just ingenious women out there that are doing great things, and as well as black ale, black ale is 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 super good because you're helping support um, people who have who, who have fought for the country. And I have a bunch of other things that uh, I I do on the side that I'm super uh, tied to kind of that that community as well. So I think it's both great projects that you guys are working with. Um, but Scott, I, I'm glad that you you hopped in and said something because it was a perfect segue. Um, Right now, I I would like to ask kind of what breweries are doing um, to differentiate themselves. But ultimately, I liked I kind of want to pivot that to start where um, you said that a lot of craft breweries are obviously trying to help. We're seeing all together beers. We're seeing human contact um, beers like that that are helping to support uh, like their wait staff or just in general, just that that segment of the business. Um are you seeing anything kind of uh, that people are doing outside of that box or outside of those couple of things uh, within breweries? All, I mean, altogether is definitely the, the big one that I'm seeing right now. And it's, it's, I guess it's hard not to see it if you spend as much time as Insta on Instagram as we all do. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a flashy label and it's a good beer and it's a good cause. Um, I think personally, I think there's a line you have to toe right where if you're, you're you're trying to raise funds for the service industry but it's you know it's, it's that's different than trying to help your own furloughed employees right so you have to like be very careful about how you're you know raising funds and who they're going to it has to be uh, you know it really like a really genuine thing and i think that a lot of breweries are obviously very hard up right now so um i think they're trying to give the communities as often as they can um i know there was a big push for greg hill foundation early on altogether for sure those are the two big ones that i've seen um, I think obviously, understandably, a lot of them are just trying to find creative ways to stay afloat right now. Yeah. And, and, and that's obviously that's, that's the case. We have small businesses outside of craft beer that are, are struggling. Our restaurants, our friends over at public kitchen, um, all of, all of these people are trying to differentiate themselves and they're, they're trying to work hard at, at keeping their businesses alive because this is their livelihood and, and this is what they love as well. So. Um, yeah. But it, it is still good to see that even in these tough times, they're still trying to give and trying to work with the communities that build them up. When when you're Scott, when you're seeing kind of what you mentioned that that towing the line right of the greater good, but also ensuring that your staff and your employees are taken care of, are you seeing that um, where the craft beer side of things, the breweries are kind of maybe not losing that sense of camaraderie, right? Because that's something we always talk about is that sense of communities. The breweries are constantly working together and propping each other up. Are you seeing that kind of taking a back seat right now and, and kind of every, every man and woman for themselves, or is it we need to band together more than ever right now and make sure we're, we're doing this together. I see a bit more of the latter. I mean, I still don't think that the fabric of community that's interwoven into craft beer has been damaged all that much, which is, I mean, so you mentioned, uh, Dan, uh, the beer you're drinking, 
a three-way collab. I actually think you might see more collabs because it's something that breweries can do right now, and it helps them both. Um, and so we spend a lot of time pouring through stories nationally. Uh, we do like a weekly newsletter to our clients uh, of just curated stories, you know, just media that we discovered that we thought might be interesting. We send to them to spare them the time of research. And I, I always try to pick one story I find from somewhere in the country of a brewery that's literally delivering another brewery's beers or something along those lines. Right. So I actually think that they're all banding together. I mean, that the term all together is it's, uh, it's not a throwaway. I think it's actually perfect. I think breweries are doing that now more than ever. Um, it doesn't feel much like survival mode. I think the good thing about breweries and a lot of, um, you know, uh, young businesses is that they, they're super adaptable, right? Like they did all the things you thought they could do a week before did them right like they just they move very quickly they're very uh, keen to adapt um so it doesn't feel like survival mode so much as like adapting to a new normal and making sure that they don't uh rattle loose what they stand for like the core doesn't feel too shaken so a long-winded way of saying um and my timer's almost up here but like that i still think that intrinsically they want to do as much as they can for other people that they're banding together it does by no means feel like they're just you know embarking on a guerrilla war for themselves at this point it's just harder to do because of course you know they're they're down margin you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah i would totally agree there um we have a client in oregon and i saw that um stormbreaker brewing uh released uh, they came up with this shirt idea to help raise some funds for it i forget what the cause was but it it was a cool design shirt that said i helped save craft beer and it had the outline of the state of oregon on it and um they thought well we could do this or we could involve 20 some other breweries that we know and sort of expand this bigger to make even more money for this cause and they did that and they put all the logos on the back of the shirt and um i think it just launched earlier this week so i'm, I'm not sure how it's doing but i've got to think it's doing pretty well because they, they brought some big name breweries into it so i agree with what scott says i think everybody's still banding together as much as they can yeah i think there is sort of like a it's this low-key uh fraternal type uh type atmosphere within craft beer obviously people people looking out for each other if someone needs hops they they can lend hops every now and again but um i in I, I mean, I obviously put a couple of other ones that we've been looking at. Uh, Equilibrium and, and Vitamin C just released a, from what I what I understood was a, like a Google Hangouts collab. They had conversations over like virtually, and they developed that like C four variation or whatever it was. But um, I think it's cool. I think there's definitely a lot of stuff going on right now in trying times, but we're still seeing some some cool things. Yeah, agreed. I think it was Trillium I saw today on Instagram with, yeah. I want to say other half, where they, they said, since we can't do collabs right now, we're going to exchange recipes and make each yeah. other's beers and see how that turns out, which is oh, a great yeah. idea. That's um, Freaky that is Friday, awesome. I think it's called. It's uh, yeah. Trillium, uh, other half in the Vale, I believe. So three lesser known names in the craft beer world. <laughs> I mean, if that beer does any sales, I'll be shocked. People reach out to me on Instagram, like, you're going to be in town tomorrow. I'm like, I have not been in town, meaning in Boston for months. I'm not, right. I, I, I don't go there anymore. Right. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, I'm sure it's going to do okay. For itself. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I've seen Trillium start to do a little bit more local stuff too. Um, I know through uh, our friend Gabe, uh, I brought him up before, but Gabe Nye, the craft beer guy, yeah, yeah. he, he uh, works for Row 34 and Trillium had Suzanne on, who is their uh, director of beverages at Row 34 um, to talk about their, uh, I just pulled it up here, the uh, Saison du Row, which was their Saison that they had worked on. And I know Trillium bought, brought uh, Row 34 staff on and, and Gabe was super excited about that. And same with Suzanne. So it's kind of cool to see these local businesses getting in on some of the uh, some of the action with the brewing and and helping out during this time. Yeah, yeah, they're all doing it in their own way too. I think it's like yeah. they don't want to be part of all together. Although Trillium was, they did. Both. Yeah. I think a lot of them, if they don't want to do that, they're opting to do their own version of uh, you know of a beer or, or something that benefits a cause, which is kind yeah. Of- very few stragglers that i can think of off the top of my head so yeah and uh i also saw that i haven't got my hands on it but one of your other clients bentwater uh just released their all together what was it last week the week before last week right yeah, yeah i think so. it was last week yeah yeah, yeah it did well that's that's awesome i i don't i haven't been to the liquor store as much uh obviously i should be supporting those local businesses as well but i've been trying to get to the breweries direct and and buying from them so unfortunately lynn is the other side of the city for me so i it's a little bit of a drive to get up there sure sure but um talking about creativity within uh craft beer you guys are and the reason why we've brought you on is you guys are doing something uh next week the 30th um, you're doing your own your own beer fest, uh, Scott. If you want to talk about that and exactly what this idea is and and how it kind of came to be, sure. I'll kick off the long winded version, and Kevin will provide bullet uh, points after. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we're calling it Fest from Home. It's a Massachusetts wide virtual beer fest that kicks off uh, yeah Saturday the thirtieth. Um, we had seen some other virtual beer fests start to. Uh, pop up in states like new hampshire uh kentucky um oregon was one that actually kevin and i attended and we thought it was was pretty good and we thought to ourselves well uh these these can be pretty good there's an appetite for them um you know we kind of feel like in-person events are not going to be a thing for a while um and maybe we could you know put our heads together and think about doing an event that would be uh you know beneficial for both brewers and craft beer enthusiasts right it's something for us to do um so the idea is we've got a bunch of massachusetts breweries represented uh it's going to be a combination of zoom interviews uh facebook live events and pre-recorded videos so trying to use as uh as many virtual platforms as we can right while we're drinking our beer from home uh, we have 28 breweries from Massachusetts. It's, uh, it's a really solid list. And obviously, you know, people can go onto our Instagram and check it out. Um, and all ticket sales uh, proceeds will go to Benefit Project Bread. So we want to pick a, uh, a nonprofit that certainly got, I think, name recognition. People are aware of it. Um, but I think in the last few months of the pandemic, uh, perhaps it's not getting as much attention as some other nonprofits, right? So we want to remind people that, you know, battling hunger is still very much important, uh, especially now where people are right. out of work. Um, so it's five dollars uh, a ticket, and and every cent of it goes right to Project Bed, uh, Bread. <clears throat> um, that's the high level 
uh, let me stop there. <laughs> or I'll just answer some questions or I'll just keep going. You have three options. <laughs> I'm going to say for someone who mentioned before we started recording multiple times that they were going to give long answers. I'm very impressed with the fact that you just kind of stopped there. I thought we were going to, going to get more out of you. Try to, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be mindful of myself. <laughs> I feel comfortable bringing that up because if you ask anyone that knows me, I also don't stop talking. So I, I feel comfortable in that. I and I'm going, but I'm like looking at the clock and I'm like, well, oh, geez, it's already almost 930 here. So let's uh, <laughs> let, me, let me give myself a minute to let either Kevin weigh in or I'll keep going. I, I'm happy to do that, too. So, <laughs> yeah, Kevin, is there anything that you want to add uh, to kind of the the fest idea and and what you guys are, are gunning for here? Yeah, I, I think what I would add on to what Scott said is we were trying to think about ways that we can sort of make this tangible in some way. I mean, so when you go to a beer festival, obviously you're drinking beers with other people. There's some common beers. So we thought, why don't we ask every brewery to bring one beer that they can, quote, pour at the festival? And we'll promote those beers leading up to it so that people can go and grab those if they want to have the same experience as other attendees. And then we thought about it a little more and realized, well, we could potentially bring in some retailers to this that could put together like a fest box of mixed beers so that they would have several of them. And then it's kind of a one-stop shop. So they're not driving all over the state to pick up these beers direct from the breweries, which some people still will do that. I've heard from a number of people who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to drive all over to get these because I have nothing else to do right now. <laughs> um, but for people that, that don't have that option, um, there's a, a small list of retailers in different parts of the state. We tried to spread them out as best we could where you can you can go and pick up this fest box that has uh, some of those beers in there. And those will vary from spot to spot based on their distributor and brewery relationships and how they want to price it and how many beers they want to put in it. But it still sort of adds that tangible element that's missing from virtual events right now so mm -hmm. that you can enjoy the same beers and, and talk about those and uh, the other go ahead no i was gonna say that's fantastic I don't know, I'll, I'll let you continue before i throw another curveball at you now I, I was just gonna say food is the other piece that we thought of that you usually see at a festival so we worked with uh brado brew house and kitchen in brighton they're gonna put together vip meal kits uh, that people can pick up before it and uh, i believe it's going to be grilled cheese and then either uh, chicken wings or um, buffalo cauliflower if you're a, a vegetarian. So you can pick one of those options. It's a family meal, so there should be plenty of food. Um, and they're going to sell those from their Brighton location, so people could pick those up too if they want to have uh, food during the fest. That's great. Um, and I think um, kind of with the beer fest mentality, um, I like what you guys are doing and I, I like the way that you guys are setting it up because with a normal beer fest, they may have brewers and things like that. I remember being at um, spooky brews and, and Dino was there from uh, vitamin C and I was able to just like throw one question at him. And then that was that uh, or uh, some, another brewery you guys work with up at juicy brews in Portland was um, discord beer and, and uh, foreign objects. Uh, I was able to luckily talk with them a lot longer and, and get their insight and things like that. But uh, are there going to be kind of like Q&A panels that you guys are doing and, and people can ask these questions towards brewers? Because I think that gives an even more intimate kind of conversation around craft beer and especially 
me being a craft beer nerd, I could talk to brewers all day long and get their input and ideas about the industry. Yeah, we uh, we're trying to set it up so that there is multiple options for people. So the the Zoom conference itself that goes from one to five thirty will be a series of panels um, with 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 opportunity for Q and A. So you'll have that for people that really want to you know uh, maybe chime in and listen to the story of uh, the Harpoon IPA, for example, right, um, and ask questions. Um, but going on at the same time, you'll have uh, Facebook live events from a handful of breweries. So, uh, you know, maybe Springdale, for example, would do a tour of their barrel room at two o'clock and you get a, you know, like a, like a live tasting and, and tour, uh, in case you don't want to go to that session. Because I think what we're trying to accomplish is if you go to a beer fest, some people might want to, uh, talk to brewers or learn from brewers or go to these, uh, breakout sessions, but often you just want to kind of roam and mingle and drink beer can't do that if you're sitting in your chair at home, of course, but the idea I think was to simulate it as best we can. So there's a couple things going on for people that are kind of dropping in and out of the fest the whole time. I think that's a great idea. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of kind of just uh, like how a music festival is, right? You know, you've got a couple of stages, you've got someone on over here, you've got someone on over there, you know, you've got your options, you can go to that. The one thing that that I've just noticed that might be missing is that um, the, the craft beer hustlers haven't got the time that we go on for our panel. If you just want to send that, I think it's craftbeerhustlers at gmail.com. We can figure it out after the show, but you know, you, know, you want, we could bump Sam Adams at the end. You think oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah that's perfect. But whatever you got to move, it's, it's you know, that's yeah. irrelevant to us. You just to email, yeah. You just, whatever you move, you move and craftbeerhustlers at, at gmail.com and, and we'll make time, I guess. I mean, technically, my camera's right here. My bed's right behind me, so I could roll out of bed. You want to put us on at four thirty? I could roll out of bed at four twenty-five. Uh, I'll make it. I'll make it. Well, I love to think that the enthusiasm that we got and 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 responses from breweries, which was it was really good. It was really encouraging. It was humbling. Um, you know, a lot of breweries want to do this. I like to think that it's because it's a great idea. You know, maybe part of it is that they, they can do what you just said, Dan, is roll out of bed and, and do this. <laughs> I'm not sure, but we're going to go positive and assume that we had a, you know, a really great idea and people want to just get out there and do a virtual beer fest. So, so for so for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I've I've been very vocal and I've said this to Dan and to a lot of my friends. I'm not a huge Zoom Google Hangouts person. It's just not something that uh, entices me. But, you know hearing these ideas and kind of being able to have the option and then the intimacy of it. Right. And it's not just 200 people in a zoom meeting. Um, you know, it's very enticing and I'm, you know, Dan and I have tickets, so I'm excited to, uh, kind of check it out. I think, um, you know, it's definitely, it's like you, like you said, group activities are, are going to be few and far between for a long time, I think. And, and so I think, you know, pioneering something like this is, or, you know, is a really good thing and uh, i'm excited to see how it goes I, i'm really excited for it awesome yeah. thanks yeah i think obviously kevin and scott we had conversations prior to you guys releasing it today um I, i've obviously worked with you guys in the past with some of the other brewery clients that you work with but um actually having this conversation right now and scott with you bringing up the ideas and kind of hearing them uh, kind of more flourished and and solidified maybe it is just because we are in in these covid times and these pandemic times but i i do think this is a tangible 
thing that you could do going forward. Maybe maybe have a winter fest where people are still able to reach out to brewers because I think it's fantastic that like I've never checked out Springdale's operation. I, I mean, I've been there, but I've never. They have the barrel room all right there, but I've they, it's connected to Jack's Abbey. You can go probably brew there and, and bring it up to Springdale. But getting these more intimate um, and personal uh, personal experiences, I think, is very cool. And bringing it to a wider audience is something that I think is very tangible past this time that we're going through now. Yeah, I, I hope people like it because even if you go to a beer festival where the brewers are pouring, like you mentioned earlier, you get a little bit of time with them, but you don't get this in-depth intimacy where, where you learn a lot from them and you really get to know them. So um, we'll see if there's an appetite for it, but I, I think you might be right that it, it might be something that even when physical events are allowed, this is something a little bit different than a, a typical beer festival where people might still want something like this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I've always said, I'm I'm grateful. I actually just posted last week when Bentwater had their expansion, and and that was the first event that I went to that you guys hosted with them. Yeah. Uh, I was so grateful for that experience because I was able to chat with Adam and and Aaron and his team and and Robin and all great people. I and I loved the conversations that I had with them and. I, I, Anytime that I go up with you guys somewhere or I'm able to talk to a brewer somewhere else, I'm, I'm super grateful. I'm super hum humbled by these experiences. But to give that to a wider population and, and to see the way things are operating and these beverages that we enjoy and how they're made, I think more people would really, really enjoy that. So I know you guys are, are putting this together, but um, do you guys have a, a panel or a, a brewery that you're most looking forward to that's going to be during uh during that time frame oof man haven't thought about that one um i, I guess i can go first i'm i'm excited and it's not even the um it's not actually the panel so much but personally so we have we have guest moderators and then kevin and i are moderating a few sessions too um but i'm a big widowmaker fan and kevin and i are moderating a session with gary from true north and ryan from widowmaker so just on a personal note i'm excited to like virtually meet ryan because i've never talked to him I've never met them and I love their beer. So mm -hmm. that, I guess that's probably like, you know, subject matter aside, that's the one I'm probably personally most excited about. I would say, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited for all of them, but kind of along the lines of Scott, uh, we're moderating one with uh, Megan Parisi, who's one of the head brewers at Sam Adams mm -hmm. to get access with someone like that, to be able to just have a conversation with them. I think is really cool. And, and that's something that, that I don't think happens a lot um, or for people like us ever. So uh, yeah. <laughs> to get that kind of exposure to her and to learn about her career. And she's, she's been in some cool places before Sam Adams. So just to hear more about her, her voyage through the craft world, I'm really interested in. Yeah. yeah. Both, both sound fantastic. I, I think it's awesome. Um, yeah johnny no i think i'm just gonna echo that it's uh in the fact that you can put this all together and still do it for a good cause as well um you know you can't go wrong with that i'm, I'm excited to to kind of log on uh may 30th right 30 30th, 31st, 30th. 30th, 1 to 5 30 we'll all be drinking something so awesome 
Where can um, and we'll put this uh, in our you know in our bio on Instagram and and in the show notes on you know when we post the show. But where can people uh, where can people get tickets? Eventbrite. We have an Eventbrite link that um, you guys bought tickets, so you have that. So uh, mm-hmm. rather than me rattling off all those numbers at the end of the URL. <laughs> <laughs> If you can post that, people can see it. But um, yeah, the the Eventbrite link, and then uh, that'll uh, point you to our website where there's more details on all the the sessions and beers and retailers and all that good stuff. Great. Awesome. And and where can we find you guys? Where can we find Kevin York uh, Communications? We are on Instagram at Kevin York Comms. Perfect. So guys, I, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. Um, glad we could get you in for episode two and a half. Um, that is not diminished at all. I think what you guys are doing is fantastic. What you guys are doing as a company, as well as the uh, fest from home. So again, check them out on Eventbrite. Check them out at Kevin uh, York comms on Instagram. Um, thank you so much, guys, for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. All right. And that is it, ladies and gents, episode 2.5 of the Craft Beer Hustlers podcast. We want to give another huge shout out to Kevin and Scott for joining us on this week's episode. If you guys are interested in the Fest from Home, that is this Saturday, May 30th from 1 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. Tickets are available on Eventbrite, and that link is in our bio. You can also find that information at KevinYorkComs at Instagram. And guys, thank you so much for listening. We are super, super humbled by all the guests that we've been able to bring on and just all the listeners and feedback we've been getting. So if you guys could, just remember to like, comment, subscribe to any of the podcasts and check us out on Apple. Definitely put a subscription there and and give us a rate and comment and let us know what you guys think. You can also send over some feedback to us at our voicemail at anchor.fm slash craftbeerhustlers. And we're found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, too. So without further ado, our next episode is dropping on June 3rd. And our special guest is none other than Kenny Gould, the founder of Hop Culture. We'll see you guys next week.